Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we offer resources to equip you and stories to inspire you on your adoption journey. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Hey, friends, welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, episode 143. We are at the end of an August series of episodes that all had to do with preparing your family to go back to school well. So if you've missed any of the previous episodes this month, be sure to scroll back in your favorite podcast app and catch all the August episodes as we head back into the school year. Last but not least for this month, we are talking about one of my favorite topics, which is the brain and specifically how brain games, as they're called, can help our kids meet some of their educational goals when it feels like, you know, just practicing or more tutoring isn't quite working. I really enjoyed my conversation with Anne Mara, who's an expert on things like brain games. She has a master's of education in special education and over 25 years of teaching experience in a variety of different environments. She is a certified educational therapist in cognitive developmental therapy. Anne Mara works for Lifeline Children's Services, directing their post-educational services for families that have children with learning differences. Here's my conversation with Anne Mara. Hello, Anne Mara. Welcome to the Adoption Connection podcast. Hi, thanks. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you here too, because we are focusing on back to school. It's coming very soon for most of us around the country, and it's going to be different this year and hopefully a whole lot better this year. You know, kids and education is your passion. And so let's talk a little bit about these feelings families might be having as we prepare to go back to school. Yeah, sure. You know, as a as a teacher, I love preparing for the first day back to school because you're just there's just excitement. There's a sparkle in the kids eyes. It's just a lot of fun, you know, to to welcome the kids back to the classroom, especially after this past year. Uh, but also there can be as a as you know, as a mom who have had had children who have struggled and worked with kids that struggle, I do see there that there's a fear that builds up in families as well, too, of just not knowing what to expect. I mean, there's so many transitions. You know, you're you're always wondering, am I going to get the right teacher? Is the teacher going to get my child? Am I going to get my child if I'm homeschooling my child? You know, uh, so there's just a lot of different feelings that pop up at the beginning of school. It can be fun, and uh, but it can also uh, be hard as well. And do you think that families who have kids with lots of early adversity, you know, most of our listeners are adoptive and foster families. So we're parenting kids who have maybe some unique needs. Do you think that affects how families approach the school year? Sure, I do. I mean, we do know, um, you know, I love to dabble in kind of, you know, the brain and how the brain is developed and and the the science part of it. and so we do know because of science that adversity, uh, child, children from hard places, ch- children that come from vulnerable situations, that there is areas in the brain that may or may not have been developed the way God meant them to be developed. That can affect our cognitive development and our, our ability to learn. And so I do think that that is something, you know, that teachers 
and families, you know, need to be aware of. Absolutely. And it really helps when people understand that about our kids. You know, Mm -hmm. we live with them and we know them so well, but every year with new teachers, you know, Mm -hmm. there may be people who don't understand our kids' unique needs. So in terms of um, returning to school, what are some tips you can give our listeners and their families as we're all getting ready to go back? There's so many transitions, you know, in thinking about going back to school. And we know that our kids sometimes tend to struggle with transitions. And so, you know, just some practical, practical things that I think of are, you know, let's prepare the kids for transitions. Let's prepare them for that schedule change. Let's go ahead and start practicing and and even role playing, you know, if we need to, you know, what it looks to get like to get up at 730 in the morning or even earlier and making that transition to to the classroom. We may even want to be able to go and see if we can visit the school, you know, and make a, a visit before the first day of school. You know, we do have meet the teacher, but is it possible that we could you know, Zoom to get to, you know, an opportunity to see that teacher's face, to talk to them. And, you know, transitions, those type of things are just so important for our kids uh, to to make that adjustment back to school. Um, I also think, you know, I, I look and I think, oh, just uh, don't be afraid to let your kids ask questions and don't be afraid not to know the answer. <laughs> I mean, you you know, we we tend to, as parents, we tend to want to get it all right. And we have our expectations and different things like that. But it's okay to say, hey, I'm not sure, but let's find out. You know, don't be afraid to let your kids to ask questions to to figure out what's going on. And, you know, again, you know, set some short term goals. They don't have to all be long term goals, but, you know, set some just short term goals. Hey, tomorrow we're going to pack lunch. What's a healthy lunch going to look like? You know, we're going to do that together and enjoy spending that time with your kid. Make that connection. We always talk about connections, you know, making those connections with your kids is, I think is just, is so important as we prepare to go back. So those are just some quick, you know, quick little tools that I have found to be helpful. I love the idea of actually practicing packing lunch. I mean, it's great because lunch can be you know, if a child gets to school and they've been eating at home all summer and you pack them a lunch that you know is a perfectly fine school lunch, but it feels unfamiliar to them, if they don't eat, then you've got a child who hasn't eaten, who has low blood sugar, and the rest of the day is just not going to go very well. So wouldn't it be a fun idea, like maybe the whole week before school to pack lunches every morning and everybody eats their lunch out of their bag or their lunchbox so they can get used to it. I think that's such a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Another, another thing I found to be really helpful for kids who, you know, maybe even have a little bit of that separation anxiety that, that pops up is, um, and, and a lot of our kids are sensory prone and need that sensory input. Uh, We have found that, Um, I mean, there's just different, multiple different things that you can do, but, you know, even getting a piece of felt, uh, I know that, and and cutting like a little heart out together and letting them have that, that piece of felt that you have given them, that heart that you have given them, stick it in their pocket and talk about, hey, when you start missing mom, just stick your hand in your pocket and, and there's my heart. It's right there for you to touch. And that gives them something to fidget with. But it also, you know, is that reminder to them that, 
hey, mom's mom's there. She may not physically be there, but she's she she's with you. You know, she's thinking about you. She's praying for you just to give them something also um, to kind of feed that sensory need that some of our kids may go to school that that they have. I like that. I like that that um, just that reminder that we aren't forgetting them just because they've gone out the door to school. They're still in our hearts. They're still in our minds. You know, we're still connected. So that that's a really lovely thing. I know even when I homeschooled the week before we got back to actual schoolwork, mm-hmm. we started transitioning back into a school schedule of getting yes. up at you know earlier or at least all kind of at the same time of having breakfast at the same time of doing our early morning chores or, you know, because I didn't want the first day of school to be such a shock to their systems. You know, what, um, what kinds of routines would you suggest families maybe start implementing in that week before or even earlier? Right. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, the, I think that is an excellent, I mean, for any child, you know, a schedule and a visual schedule is so important, but I would recommend, especially for my homeschool families, you know, we sit down and we, we create that schedule together, you know, uh, and I, I want to make sure to moms to say, Hey, make sure you're also scheduling some self-care time in there for you as well. Hey, if that laundry needs to be, you know, changed out. And that's something that you're incorporating into your day. Go ahead and schedule it. You know, hey, this is this is mom's chore time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this is your chore time or or this. Are, these are the, the expectations and really talk with your kids through that and um, prepare that schedule. Not not that you're handing them the schedule, but they're having the opportunity to have a voice in that schedule as well too and uh, even have a little bit of control of that schedule so you're you're implementing it together but i would highly recommend doing that not you know the day school starts but go ahead and again practice it kind of like that lunch thing go ahead and practice it be talking about it uh before before you before you just implement it you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah definitely i know that change is hard for all kids well Usually there are those kids who just love it. I have one daughter like that, but for the most part, change can be hard. And for our kids who, you know, whose brains have been impacted by adversity and trauma, it's, it's especially hard. So I think all of this practice is a great idea. Yeah, I did. I love um, the verse. I think it's James one four. it talks about your steadfastness, um, being, uh, just to, to be steadfast. It takes time. It takes patience and it's, it's ongoing, you know? And so I would also, you know, be careful to say, Hey, you're not going to get it perfect. The first time we live in a broken world and it's going to be constantly changing and change is hard, but even, you know, uh, accepting that and not being afraid, you know, afraid of change as well too. And, and I, cause I think, us personally, as moms, as teachers, you know, what we say, what we think, how we feel is also impacting how our kids think, how they, what they say and how they feel. And so they can sense that in us, you know, go ahead and, uh, and, you know, just know that it it takes time. Change takes time. It's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. And, and to be okay with that. I think too, you're alluding a little bit to the fact that um, our brains and our kids' brains are connected in a sense. And so the more we can do to keep our anxiety about the changes 
down, the better for our kids. You know, one of the things when my kids started attending school, I wasn't used to, I was used to spending a huge amount of time gathering curriculum and things for homeschooling. But when my kids went to school, all of a sudden, you know, I had to pick up that supply list and get all of it. And, you know, I live in a college town and so we have one Walmart. And so not only are all the school (laughs) kids and all of their supply lists needing to be filled, Mm -hmm. but then you've got all the students returning. So, you know, (laughs) I would, I would wait too long because I just wasn't used to thinking about that. So I learned to get that list as soon as possible and really as much as possible online order it, you know, don't get into the crazy frenzy in the store aisles. And already um, another thing that would catch me by surprise because it was new to me was sports physicals, you know, for Mm -hmm. middle schoolers and high schoolers. So I was quite proud of myself because I scheduled my son's sports (laughs) physical a few months ago and we did it yesterday. So there will be no August panic this year. (laughs) You know, and they're not even supposed to go to the first practice without it. So any parents listening out there, if you can yes. get ahead of the game on sports physicals, on vaccinations, if you need to catch up on oh, any yeah. of those and get those school supplies, don't wait till the end. You know, if you want to take your kids to pick out something special, a binder or a lunchbox or whatever, do it, but don't try to get the whole list with your kids. Right. Yes. Yeah. In one, in one day. Yeah. Yeah. And and like the day before, the day before. Yes. The day before. Yeah. We need to stay calm to help our kids stay calm. So. Yes. Yeah. So true. (laughs) Okay. So one of your specialties is brain games. And we really want to hear about what are brain games? How can they help our kids? You know, tell, tell us everything you want to know. Hey, this is Sarah. I'm briefly interrupting this episode to make sure you know about an upcoming support group for adopted teens that I'm facilitating. As an adoptee, I'm passionate about supporting adopted teens because I wish I had had a group like this when I was younger. During this eight-week session, teens will explore the seven core issues of adoption, learn better ways to respond to others' adoption-related questions, even the more insensitive ones, have an opportunity to process their personal adoption journey, and hear from one another in a supportive and collaborative way. We get started on September 23rd, so for more information or to sign your teen up, head to theadoptionconnection.com slash teen. Now back to the episode. What are brain games? How can they help our kids? You know, tell, tell us everything we want to know. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, brain games, I, I, I do love I do love talking about the brain. And I do love to, you know, to help help families and kids just move from that, that sense of frustration to hope. I mean, that's, that's kind of the goal. And, and I see brain games as one of those tools to be able to help do that. But, but brain games is they're basically they're games that are tailored to kind of meet a specific cognitive, social, emotional, or cognitive developmental need that a child may have. So that's a lot of a lot of big words, I guess, you know, and so but when we think of our the cognitive skills, we think about what skills children need to be able to think and to be able to learn. And, you know, and I would even couple on there that I will I have a I have a desire for children to love learning. 
you know, because it's an ongoing process. We're never out of the learning process. I mean, even as an adult, you know, we're always learning. And and I just would love for kids to enjoy that and find joy in that. Um, I, I, I grew up going to school. I grew up, uh, but I grew up as a struggling learner. And so I really uh, did not identify. I didn't love school until someone actually encouraged me to look into my learning differences and to figure out how I could strengthen and uh, some of those areas that I had struggled in all those years. So and, and, and the world just blossomed. It just opened up. And so I really love to see that happen. And I love to equip and strengthen others to be able to see that in their children as well. And we know that that's possible. And so Brain Games is a tool. It's a strategy to help to be able to equip and strengthen and shepherd that child emotionally, um, that child academically, and that child relationally. So we do that through playing games that strengthen processing speed. We do that through playing games that uh, strengthen auditory processing and visual processing, logic and reasoning uh, skills. And all of those cognitive skills that I just mentioned impact that academic core and impact your your performance in the classroom or at home or uh, in your reading skills and your math skills. And so we focus on those skills that we can strengthen so that it impacts what the kids are doing in the classroom. Okay. Can you give us some examples of what, of some brain games? And also as I'm listening, I'm thinking, Okay, let's say a listener is hearing this episode right when it's coming out and there's a little bit of time before school. Are there brain games we could be doing with our children in preparation for heading into this school year? And I know we're talking about a wide range of, range of yes. ages and things, but just give us a couple of ideas. So, you know, um, there's different names, different titles for brain games. There's programs called cognitive fitness. There's programs called educational therapy. There's programs called brain games, cognitive developmental curriculums that are out there. So there's a wide variety. But one that is 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 is, is very simple. You can get it off Amazon called Blink. So Blink is a card game. And on Blink, it's it's a fast paced game. But we like to back it up. And that's that's the important thing with all these brain games is sometimes we just like to read the directions and play it. And then then that's when we see the frustration happen. Right. Because sometimes our some of our kids don't necessarily aren't as fast as somebody else. And so what I encourage families to do is is to break it back down into smaller pieces, baby steps. So for Blink, for example, there is a shape on the card. It might be the shape of a flower. There is also a, a particular number of, of that shape, like two flowers on, on a card. And then there's also a color. So it may be a blue, a blue flower. So you have, you have, it's a, a card deck and you're looking at it. So you have numbers and you have colors and you have shapes. Well, in your brain, you see number, color, shape at different places in your brain. So you're having to use different pieces of your brain to actually say a number, color, shape. So as you play the game, um, you can just simply you can use it for sorting. You can use it for timing how fast you can sort those those cards. You can even do number, color, shape. Uh, repetitively after each car. So 
And all of what I just mentioned, you're working on working memory. You're working on auditory processing because you're you're actually having to speak those things. You're working on visual processing because you're having to see those things. All those different pieces, those cognitive skills are 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 coming together and they're firing together. We know what, you know, wires together, fires together. So we're working on that in a fun environment, you know, a fun way. Uh, So that's, that's Blink is a very quick, easy game that you can purchase off of Amazon. (laughs) Um, There are several others. Let me ask. So, so with Blink, it seems like you could play it on one level with young children and it could get more complex as the children are older it seems like something that everybody would enjoy too, like a quick round of blink at the dinner table or after breakfast or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, no doubt. Yes, there okay. definitely. Um, there is. Um, There's several other, you know, games that that we bring up. You know, the game Spot It. I don't know if you've. Oh, yeah. Spot it, you know, Chick-fil-A. I don't know if you have Chick-fil-A out where you are, but Chick-fil-A carried Spotted in their kids' meals for a while, you know. Um, but even in Spot It. You can even use that in an auditory way where you're looking at a card and naming all the different, you know, items and objects you see on that card. And your friend is has his card or her card and she's looking and she's trying to figure out what you've just said. You know, that's not even about seeing it. So that's more auditory processing. And a lot of families go, OK, well, what does auditory processing have to do with reading? Well, everything. It has to do with everything when it comes to spelling. You you are hearing through your ear and it's talking to your, your left side of your brain, which is your language side of your brain. So you're building and strengthening that, that ability to hear different sounds, visual processing, tracking, all the different games uh, impact, have a strength in those areas that's going to impact your fluency and how you read across a page and, and not skip lines. So your dyslexic students are, are being strengthened so that their, their eyes are able to team together and work together, uh, in, in the game and spot it. I mean, just by playing the game spot it. So that's another simple, easy way to, to strengthen some of those cognitive skills. What about now? What about brain games for older kids, preteens, teens even, adults? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah. We use a a variety. I I actually use a curriculum that's called a cognitive developmental curriculum. It's by Equipping Minds. And and we use that. uh, It has, like you said, it's leveled at different ages. Um, So... Uh, they, you're, you're constantly using your working memory, but they implement all these different, you know, pieces of like even spot it for a teens. Uh, you know, there's a game called Quitch that is a great math game that you really don't even realize you're working on that working memory and that math, those math skills. Um, I would, I, I, I've got to bring in, you know, motor development as well too, because motor development certainly impacts your cognitive development in the in your brain. And so there are actually reflex exercises that you can work on to help open up pathways in the brain. And you can do that through working on working memory. And so you may have um, you may have arrows, these particular arrows that you're following, and they may be left and right, and you're actually up moving to the right, moving to the left. Uh, a lot of your kids that struggle with dyslexic tendencies, to be honest with you, they very have a hard time crossing that midline. And so, you know, implementing exercises 
such as skipping um, or even uh, taking your right elbow and hitting your left knee and crossing over uh, is uh, to a particular beat is really strengthening the ability to cross that midline and it's going to impact your um, your ability to read again. And so those are even things that uh, I think as far as adults and teens, it's great to get out there and just play, you know, uh, with um, and to, to really look at those reflexes and to figure out what games, you know, you're talking about sports earlier, you know, wonderful way to build those reflexes and those cognitive skills as well, too. So, so many different things, even even the simpler games that you don't think that uh, would seem more for lower for kids that are younger can be implemented for kids that are older as well, too. Some of some of that, my, my, I have 15, 16, 17 year olds working through some of these brain games and we have a great time, you know, playing some of these uh, simple games like Blink, you know, and uh, and spot it and different things like that. I love that. You know, uh, my daughter, Anna Rose, has been living in, and working in Mexico, and she carries Spotted with her when she goes to visit families and things, because even if you don't speak the same language, now she is fluent in Spanish, but even without that, you can play games like that with people, even if you don't share a common language. Oh, yeah. You know, it's so interesting. I, I have had the opportunity to travel and uh, it's so funny going through um, customs <laughs> and opening up the suitcase because there's all the brain games. There's spotted, there's blink, there's arrows in there. You know, there's some uh, a, a game I call Stare Junior, which is great for visual processing and working memory. And it, it, it there's no language barriers. It's great. I love to watch Tangrams. I mean, Tangrams. Kids love to put those pieces together and make puzzles and and different things like that. And so you really get to open up a whole new door talking about attachment and connection. It's wonderful because you have that opportunity to build that with with kids internationally. Okay, before we wrap up, talk about how these games and playing these games with our kids can build connection and attachment. Well, I mean, I think it's basically time. You are taking time to sit down and play. You know, we talk about, I mean, um, you know, Karen Purvis's playful engagement, TBRI. Um, you know, that's that's the first step in engagement is to sit down and, and, and play. And if the kids are seeing you you know, they're not even realizing they're actually working on the cognitive skills because they have the opportunity to engage with you and make that connection and just enjoying that time with you. So setting aside that time and that connection, you know, even through COVID, we worked with kids through Zoom, uh, even before Zoom became popular. <laughs> and, and, and folks asked us, how did that work? And I was like, you know, there's something about, I know it's through the computer, but there's something about that one-on-one -on -one connection that you're making. One of, uh, one of our tutors uh, was working with a, a little girl out in California and she's in Georgia, you know, and um, this little girl's adopted from, I forget, maybe, I'm, I'm not sure, maybe China. And, uh, and you know, the little girl looked at her and said, Miss Yvonne, will you be in my wedding one day? <laughs> you know, and, you know, Yvonne's 60 and, and, and Kaylee is 10, you know, and so, uh, 
So it was just a real sweet connection to even watch those connections being built, you know, and, and those, and, and, and she probably, she'll, she, she loves her, you know? Mm -hmm. So I love to see that, that relationship and that that's what education really is all about. I mean, we do say a lot about, you know, that they've got to meet this standard and that standard, but really it's about building relationships and that, that, that student teacher relationship and that parents, parent child relationship uh, is going to help those children that do struggle to know that they are created in God's image and God is helping them to become the men and women he created them to be. And so I think brain games is a tool and a, a, and a path to making that happen. I love that. Now, if parents want to learn more, where can they find more information on brain games? Yeah, um, I mean, I would send them to to lifelinechild.org or to equippingminds.com. They um, they can contact me and I'd be happy to fill them in, show them, give them resources, point them in the right path <laughs> uh, and uh, for whatever they may need. But uh, but I would be happy to sure to. To, to help them, you know, get connected to the resources in their area. We, we do we do do a screening process, which does help us to understand kind of what's underneath the, the academic struggles that their children are feeling. So that kind of helps them to navigate what brain games to use to strengthen those areas to impact what's going on in the classroom. Um, and so that's that's helpful as well. So um, but yeah. I'd be happy to to connect with anybody. If you have any questions about what that looks like, I'd be happy to connect. Okay. And for all of you who are driving while listening to this, don't worry. We will have links to everything in the show notes so that you can uh, find these resources. And, you know, even though my boys are teens, I'm listening to you and thinking, I need I need to be more playful. And anybody who's listened for a long time knows that that's something that I kind of struggle with. It's important. It's not just about having fun. It's about so much more. It's about connection. It's about our kids' brains and development. So anyhow, this is just a super encouraging conversation. Thank you so much, Anmara. And I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you. And I appreciate all that you do as well, too. So thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. I am so grateful for that conversation, Lisa. I, well, it's no secret that Sometimes it's hard for me to play with my kids as they get a little bit older and my brain keeps thinking they should be more and more independent. And we have one particular child who's really just still needs, I mean, like these brain games were built for kids like this kid. I don't know what it is, but brain science is really motivating to me. So as I listened to Anmara talk, I just thought I need to get back to these games that challenge working memory and cognitive function and all of these things. So I dusted off some things that we already owned in our house um, that are designed for, you know, cognitive development and are fun. And also we have um, a small grant program in our county that we can use for educational materials or different things. And so I have already purchased the curriculum that Anmar mentioned with all the different games. So I am newly um, motivated to jump in to all of the brain games in this new school year. That is so great. I'm really happy to hear that. Well, for those of you listening, you can find links for the games and the curriculum Anmara mentioned 
in today's show notes, as well as information about how to find out more about Lifeline's educational services. We recommend you go to lifelinechild.org and look for the link for Bridge Educational Services. So all of the links will be in the show notes for today's episode at theadoptionconnection.com slash 143. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Instagram as The Adoption Connection, or better yet, join our free Facebook community at theadoptionconnection.com slash Facebook. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. And remember, you're a good parent doing good work. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.